This is the podcast of Christian Life Center, an Assemblies of God Church in Springfield, Massachusetts. For more information, visit our website at clc413.com. Let us pray. Lord, we are grateful for the presence of your Spirit that is here among us. As we open your word now, we pray for revelation. We pray that you would speak to us that the ink on the pages of your word will be more than simply words that we hear and that we grasp in our brain, but that you would move the information from simply a knowledge to a transformation in our hearts. And I pray that you would give us very clear and specific instruction from your word this morning. I pray for your anointing to communicate clearly and with your power this morning. I pray that all of us in this room would have ears to hear what your Holy Spirit is speaking to us. And that not only would we listen, but we would then take action so that we can honor you as our Heavenly Father by not just hearing what you say, but doing what you say. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. As I've been thinking about fathers, I've been thinking about how God designed the home. And even through words that have been shared in this room this morning, appreciation, honor, and even circumstances where there is pain, in the absence of a father's influence for the good. In the book of Malachi chapter 4, God's word says in verse 5, Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. But it doesn't end there. It goes on to say, Otherwise I will come and strike the land with a curse. To God, the relationship between the children and the father is very, very important. In fact, God says that if there is not a turning of hearts, of the fathers to their children and children to their fathers, he says that he would come and strike the land with a curse. Dealing with these matters, it it seems to me in so many ways to be like an elephant in the room. It affects everybody present. But yet sometimes the emotion of it all is so difficult And because we don't know exactly how to handle it, we brush over it. At times, fathers can be quiet 
And in general, I think that as men, we may keep some of our thoughts to ourselves. God made us as men different than he made women. And I'm glad for that. And I thank God for my wife. My wife, in many ways, uh, compliments me in the sense that areas where I have deficit, she makes up for it. And I'm thankful to, I really am, I'm thankful to the Lord for that. There, just to be quite open with you, there are times in certain social settings that I might feel awkward or in a difficult uh, feeling of how exactly to respond, and my wife's right in there. It's as if it's her nature to take over the situation and, and handle that in, that in that particular way. Now, there's certain other areas of strength that God has given to me that is vice versa, that she might feel a bit un, uncomfortable, uncertain, and she's looking for me to step in. And I, I just want to say to all the men in this room, don't try to be someone God hasn't made you to be. Because God made you very specific, and he made you with a purpose. And what God made is good. What God made is good. I think at times in this world in which we live, we so easily allow the world to define what a real father is supposed to be. And the world has its own perspective on what a dad is supposed to be or to do. But much of what the world defines as a father does not include the father heart of God. For it simply focuses on the external things. But the truth is, is that only God can teach us how to truly father our children. It says in verse 6 that the preaching of Elijah would turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. It's a two-way street. Now, I have my own story. You have your story. And the truth is, is when things get ugly in a family setting, it's very easy to default to the blame game where we can take our focus off of what we're supposed to be doing and we automatically begin to think, well, I would be different if. And because we're talking about fathers, we're going to focus on that this morning. Some of you in this room, whether daughters or sons, may struggle with the default response of thinking, well, I am who I am today because my dad did not do this. My dad did not follow through on this. He didn't teach me that. And over and over, it can be like a broken record in our mind. And I want you to know that the enemy is delighted to be able to have help in destroying families and destroying lives by continuing to infect our minds with lies that are really from the pit of hell. When Jesus came to set people free, he came to set them free indeed. In fact, the truth is, is that what the enemy tells us 
so often about how we are chained to our past is a flat-out lie. In fact, if you go to those who will assess human nature, psychologists and psychiatrists, they're going to be able to tell you statistically how things normally pan out. That may be the natural order of things, but it's not the supernatural order of things. God is not limited. There is absolutely nothing that is too hard for God. And I believe that the lie of the enemy would like to try to keep us as fathers from truly rising to the occasion to be the men that God has called us to be. And one of the ways he does that is by trying to tell us that we are limited because of our father or our grandfather. Uh, there are many stories that are represented in this room. There are all kinds of addictions that have caused chaos in homes, that have brought a lot of pain and heartache, words that to this day you remember in your mind and it plays over and over. And in many ways, though you may not realize it, it is defining you. But it is also confining you. And I believe that God wants to set you free. One of the ways that elephants are trained to work in the circus is that when they are very young and their strength has not fully developed, they will chain one of the legs of the elephant to a post. And that little elephant is not able with its limited strength to pull loose from that chain because it doesn't have enough strength yet. But the trainer knows very well that it has to do the training when that elephant is a baby because that kind of training will not work when the elephant is full grown. So over and over as a baby elephant, when it feels that chain on its leg and it's tied to this post, it'll try to pull away, but it's not strong enough. And it tries over and over and over again to the point where it recognizes that it's futile to try to get away. Once the trainer has reached a certain point with that elephant and that elephant grows up, that elephant, no matter how big it is, when it's got that chain around its leg, assumes that it cannot pull away because it remembers well that it could not do it when it was young. Not knowing that if it only tried, it has plenty of power to break free. But it's been trained. And see, that's what the enemy does for us. As a child, often as boys, the enemy has affected our lives. And the lies of the enemy have been told to us. And if we believe them, it becomes the chain that holds us bound so that we are not able to thrive and to do all that God has called us to do. And words, though it has been said that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me, is so far 
from the truth. Many of you in this room remember vividly circumstances or situations where you have heard words that still play over in your mind today. And I want you to know that just as that elephant was trained and believes that he doesn't have enough strength, but yet in fact does, in a similar way, God provides for every single one of us in this room the strength to rise to the challenge and to be free for the glory of God. Your past and your history, your family history, does not need to hold you bound. I remember in my own life, and I shared my story with you last Father's Day. I'm not going to go into the details today, but I will simply say this, that in my life, in the chaos that ensued in my own home, the proclamation of the Word of God out on the streets and the miracles that I saw God do and the absolute life that was contrary to that in the home caused a great mental and spiritual challenge for me. But along the way, one of the lessons that God taught me was that I needed to learn to trust Him. And when I learned to trust God as my Heavenly Father, all of a sudden the behavior of people around me didn't have as great an influence in my life. Now, there are many of my family members, because of the challenges that occurred in my family, who want little to nothing to do with God. And they will give you plenty of reasons why. And the pain is there. The problem is there. The reality is there. But there is also a God in heaven who can set people free from bondages that hold them. And I believe that one of the reasons why in the book of Malachi, God says that during these last days, the proclamation of the word of God, one of the main focuses would be the hearts of the fathers turning to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers is because God desires to demonstrate his authority and his love and his compassion through the fathers in the family. Now, it's not limited only to that. And uh, we had a wonderful message on Mother's Day on the influence of a godly mother. And I thank God for every mother in this room. But today, I'm speaking specifically about fathers. And fathers, I want you to know that you play a very critical role in the life of your family. Now, your wife, men, may speak more, but you, as men, as you act, you are leading by example. And what may be explained with words by the female gender can be in many ways explained through action by you as men. God has called us to step up to the plate and to fight for our families. This world is doing everything that it can to erode the foundation of the family. And fathers, there is a responsibility that falls to you 
to keep the gates that surround the perimeter of your family intact. You are to be a warrior for your family. Just as in the natural, if you knew that there was an enemy going to come and to invade your home, you would do everything within your physical power using the muscles and the intellect that God has given you to fight off any intruder that would cause damage to your wife and to your children. In a similar way, there is a spiritual enemy that is on a regular basis seeking to invade your home. The problem is, men, that it's not always as visible as we may think. The Bible tells us that the enemy is cunning. He comes in the back door. And I believe, and I speak as a father, I speak as a man, I believe that one of the great challenges that you and I face is that the enemy uses backdoor tactics and strategies to get us so involved in life that it's not that we don't want to father our children properly, but he keeps us so busy that we just don't have time to. If we can be involved in any, everything under the sun and feeling like I've got to get this done, I've got to get that done, then what happens is, is we're just completing projects. When in reality, our greatest project is our family. God has called us to focus on what is most important. I believe that God wants us, when necessary, to change the speed limit of our lives. There's something that's exhilarating about going fast. Uh, for young people, particularly as you're learning to drive and you get in your car and you can go for it, there's something exhilarating of going fast. But there is a great risk when you pass certain speeds. I know of those who have not recognized that risk and who have lost their lives and the lives of friends because they didn't calculate properly. In a similar way, friends, the speed of our life also affects us. And we can actually end up going faster than the vehicle that we are in can sustain. And I believe that God calls us to slow down and to reprioritize and to refocus. When God called me to go to the island of Martha's Vineyard and pastor there, when I was working at the church uh, before Martha's Vineyard, it was a large church and there was so much happening. It was nonstop activity. And one of the things that I purposed in my heart, uh, we owned a home in Providence, which was maybe about a 20-minute drive, but it would end up sometimes being a 45-minute drive during traffic. And one of the things I purposed in my heart, my kids were very young, is that I would either have breakfast, lunch, or dinner with my family every day. And so sometimes it would be breakfast, sometimes it would be lunch, sometimes it would be dinner. But oftentimes it was a challenge to be able to even try to make that happen. And things were just nonstop action. This ministry, that ministry, and it was, it was so much happening. And, I, and God clearly, uh, through 
through his direction, opened the door. And so when I transitioned to the island of Martha's Vineyard, one of the things that God taught me was prioritizing what's most important in ministry. Because all of a sudden, it was like getting off of the mass turnpike onto a back road that was like 25 miles an hour. And it was a huge change of pace, ministry-wise. It was also a change of pace, literally, because you couldn't get on the road and just go for it on an island. Eventually, you around and come back or go in a circle. And, uh, and you, it, it was a little different feel. But in our lives, we may not recognize sometimes the speed that our whole family is going. And God spoke to my heart, and he said to me, Joseph, during this time, I'm going to be gently teaching you to prioritize what's most important so that when you get back onto the turnpike, you'll be able to keep a handle on what's most important. Now, then God brought me here. And there's a lot to do. And I'm delighted to be here. But I'm married to my lovely wife, Carol, and I have two wonderful children that God has given me. And they are my first and foremost ministry. Because if I can't have a healthy family, you're not going to have a healthy pastor. And so I have to prioritize that. And I'm going to be open and honest with you. It's not easy. It's not easy. There are things that call and there are things that my wife would like for maybe there to be some tweaks and schedule and things like that. And it's just a reality of life. But as a father, I have a responsibility before God to demonstrate to my children what a loving husband is, and also to demonstrate the heart of God. Not too long ago, I, well, back at the church in South Attleboro, we had, uh, we had a, a, a guest family come, a beautiful family. They, uh, they were missionaries, and they came and they ministered, and I so appreciated their ministry, and a lovely uh, young couple. They had, if I remember correctly, three children. And they came and shared of what God had called them to do. And at the church where, where I was at, we were supporting them. And, um, and just about two weeks ago, I inadvertently noticed that there was a, that this, the wife was actually getting married to another man. And I was so taken back by the, the news that I saw. And, um, and I just, I went before God and I prayed. I, I prayed for the family, first of all, because I knew them by name. We had received their newsletters. I had their old pictures with all of them together. And, and then, and then I saw this other picture with this other person and then they're all together and I, and in my heart, my, I, I'm just being open with you. I was broken. I was broken. And I thought, dear Lord, how did this come to this? So I, I hadn't been in regular contact with them, only that we had, we had connected. And I had, I had communicated with them shortly after, but, but years had passed. 
So I didn't know any of the contact information, so I researched, found out the contact information for the husband, and, and to this day, I have no idea what happened. But God impressed on my heart, and I wrote an email to, to the man, husband, and I just said, I have no idea what happened in your family. I said, and forgive me if I'm stepping in business that is not mine to step in. I said, I just want you to know that my heart breaks for your situation. And I said to him, I said, I want you to know as a brother in Christ, I love you. I have prayed for you. And I pray that God will direct every step for each day. And I just sent it. Day later, he emailed me back. He said, uh, Pastor Joseph, he said, the words you sent me mean more to me than you'll ever know. He said, you're the first pastor that has reached out to me since the situation occurred. And he said, uh, and my wife is, my ex-wife is getting married on Friday. That was this past Friday. Now, God's the judge of all the details. The point I'm trying to make to you today is we must treasure what God gives us and not take it for granted. Fathers, you and I have a responsibility. We cannot take our children for granted. And one of the benefits, I believe, even of giving an opportunity for us to be able to honor our parents is you get to listen in on the effect that fathers have, even to an old age. One of your greatest responsibilities is to bless your children. I want to challenge you, fathers. Even though you may not always know what to say and you may stumble on words sometimes to give your, your child, your daughter, your son kind of a pat on the back and, and that kind of thing, but I want to encourage you, even if your words are few, you don't have to be a great orator, but bless your children. Bless your children. You can bless them with just a few words. Because their lives are going to be shaped by the way that you bless them. I didn't know how to be a father. I, I wasn't sure based on statistics, whether I'd be able to do it. But I'm so grateful that I have a heavenly Father who's willing to teach me. And I said to him, God, I'm willing to learn. And so the areas of care and of affection and of demonstrating what a faithful husband is are things that now I get the opportunity to be able to model to my children. And my prayer is, God, help me to do that well for your glory. Because I want my children to grow up and to be able to truly see what a father is that seeks to honor God. Though I may make mistakes, may I humble myself before my heavenly father and honor him with my life. I want to turn your attention to the book of Matthew. Matthew 
And uh, we're going to go to chapter 7. Oftentimes, we have an expectation when we come into church or when we talk about God. And that expectation is so often set by how we interact with other people, particularly our dads. In chapter 7, verse 7, Jesus said these words, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You see a key word there? Everyone. Everyone. God doesn't limit it. You need and I need to learn the character of God so that you don't define yourself by what someone else has said about you if it's different from what God says about you. Also, the character of what a father is is demonstrated by our heavenly father or what a father should be. He goes on in verse 9 to say, You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? Now, one of the biggest problems that God had with Israel was they did not trust him. They did not believe him. Over and over, he gave good gifts to them. Water out of a rock. Manna from heaven. Victories for their armies where they should have lost the battle, and God gave them over and over victory after victory. And yet still, when they faced their next challenge... They did not trust in the character of God. Fathers in this room, the only way you're going to be able to father well is to learn the heart of your heavenly Father. As you learn how He operates, you follow after Him. The Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. How would God handle the situation? And then you do exactly what He would want you to do in that situation. You know, so often, we as men are tempted to respond with our muscles because that's our strength. That's our strong part. And many times, if a man gets upset about something, they may not always speak, but they'll punch a hole in the wall or they'll slam a table or whatever. And it's just trying to demonstrate how angry, how upset, how frustrated a woman may not necessarily do it that way, but a woman has her own ways of demonstrating how upset and angry that she would be. But for us men, we use our muscles. And what God wants to do is he wants to take the temptation for a misuse of one of our greatest strengths and use it for his glory. So men, 
The Bible tells us that when we get into these situations where we feel like we're cornered, like we don't know what to do, maybe your spouse even says something that she shouldn't say, or maybe your children are doing something outright disrespectful, and you are in a real challenging situation. How you respond at that moment is a test of the working of the Holy Spirit in your life. And I just want to encourage you with these words from God's Word. Be slow to speak. Be slow to angry. Get angry. And be quick to listen. Because in those moments, it's so important that we tune our ears to the Lord and say, God, what do you want me to do? And how do you want me to handle this? You will avoid doing things and saying things that you'll regret later. God wants us to learn his character. Notice that Jesus says, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will you, Heavenly Father, give good gifts to those who ask him? You need to count on God giving you good things. And I believe that one of the good things that God desires to give every single one of you in this room is a peace that comes from knowing that he has your best interest in mind. In other words, God's not out to get you. Friends, if God was out to get you, he'd have got you by now. You know what I mean? He's got plenty on you. Right? I mean, that's the truth. He's got plenty on us. If he'd have wanted done us in, we'd be done. But the truth is, he went out of his way to rescue us. Our father said, my son will go in your place. I believe that God wants all of us as fathers in this room to be like a chip off the old block. And here's one of the difficult parts about that is what he did in giving up his son, he wants us to be willing to do as well. And that's tough stuff. That's why God asked Abraham to give Isaac up. God wanted to see whether he was willing to love him more than his only son, his his promised son. And I believe that all across this room, God desires to do a healing work in the heart of fathers. You know, it's nice to receive a Father's Day card, and it's nice to hear, Happy Father's Day, Dad. But more important than anything, God wants hearts turned toward each other. That's what he's looking for. And sometimes hearts can't be turned towards each other until there's healing and forgiveness. The barrier that can stand between you and your father or a father figure in your life can keep you from reaching your potential for the glory of God. And that's where you cap it off. That's where it stops. But when you break through that, it's like the elephant breaking loose from that post and declaring freedom, declaring freedom. And there is no demon in hell that is stronger than the power 
of Jesus Christ to set you free. And I am so grateful that Jesus set me free. And I stand before you as a living testimony that if it weren't for the grace of God, I would not be here today. But I am so thankful for a father who loved me and who was willing to teach me things that I desperately needed to learn. And so God always gives an opportunity. And that's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to close this time out with a particular request, two of them. If everybody could just close yourself in with God at this moment, I want to ask my first question, and that is, if you're in this place today, and you have never made the decision to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. Friend, there is no other way. There's no other way. And for you to be able to access our Heavenly Father, it can't be through good works because otherwise Jesus wasted his time dying on the cross. Why have someone die when you can take care of it yourself? No, your good works could never do it. They're like filthy rags. So Jesus had to give his life, and he did. If you're in this room this morning, and the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, and you know that you need to be right with God, right where you're sitting, I want to invite you this morning to simply raise your hand if you would say, Pastor, I want to invite Jesus to come in and to change my heart, to cleanse my life, and to make me a brand new person inside. If that's you, would you simply raise your hand right where you are? The Spirit of God desires to change you. God bless you, my sister. Is there anyone else in the room? This is your window of opportunity. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. So I encourage you, make sure that you're ready to meet Jesus. I'm going to ask all of us to pray this prayer together. And as we pray, pray this from your heart and the Holy Spirit will do the work on the inside. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is the one that makes us born again. And so, friends, would you join me as we pray this prayer? Dear Lord Jesus, I acknowledge today that I need your forgiveness. Please wash my heart clean and make me a brand new person. I choose from this day forward to live my life in obedience to you. I thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for making me a brand new person. And thank you for placing your Holy Spirit inside of me. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord thanks for the work of his Holy Spirit.